my notes together. I have 13 pages of notes uh, of Matthew chapter 3, and then I'm supposed to somehow put it together in a 35, 40-minute time frame with you on a Sunday morning. So it makes it quite interesting. Um, so this morning, I'm just going to jump in. As you go to Matthew chapter 3, you probably uh, often think um, of Jesus and baptism, and that's something that we are um, going to look at very briefly this morning. But as I've been thinking about Matthew chapter 3, I've been thinking about uh, a couple different things. But one thing that jumps out of me as I read this, this account of Matthew chapter 3 is the word repentance. As a, and, I, and we're going to spend some time talking about it, so I don't want to say a whole lot here. The other thing that jumps out to me as I go through Matthew chapter 3 is to think outside the box. You're going to get a chance to watch God work in an amazing way, and it's totally outside of the box. As far as what you would think God was going to do to orchestrate this, Jesus is going to start his new ministry. God, I think you should do it this way. And God's going to bring it about in a totally radical way that you maybe haven't thought about before. And so this morning you're going to have John the Baptist. You're going to see four things this morning out of John the Baptist. First one you're going to see is his message. And John's going to be very clear with his message. And he's going to be very clear not just to people that... We would expect the unbelievers. He's going to be very clear to the Jewish people. And he's going to call them the things that they haven't thought about before. So his message is going to be very clear. His lifestyle, and this is where it gets exciting when you start to think outside of the box. You're going to see John as his lifestyle goes through into a a different, what I call, confrontation. There's going to be this huge confrontation of church people. And you're going to have this guy in the wilderness, and God's going to say, wait a minute, I know all of you on the outside look good. You're the church people. But I'm not going to use you to begin the ministry of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to use you. And there's this huge confrontation. And then the last thing you're going to get a chance to see, which most of us have seen and talked about, is Jesus' baptism. So if you have your Bible, go with me at the beginning. I want to show you... John's message. I want you to see this clear. John chapter uh, 3 and verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching where? In the desert of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand or is near. This is he who has spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. The message is going to be a message that is going to be in the desert. And it's going to be a message of repentance. It's going to be a message of something that is is a little bit different. It's going to be a message of personal responsibility. The Jews were part of a nation where, well, if we belong to Abraham, we're a Jew, we're okay. We can do what we want. We have our own perspectives. We have our own rules. We have our own thoughts. And now John is going to step into this world out in the middle of the desert to preach a message. It's interesting to me that God is going to use John in a desert. Anybody want to go to the desert to listen to a message? Not most of us don't. Most of us, it's kind of hard just to get up to be here at 9 o'clock or 1045, let alone go to the desert. And God forbid this would happen. 
that somebody would sit in your seat. And so you got God working, and he's, God is going to preach a message that is not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not going to sell a lot of books. It's not going to get a lot of high fives to John and say, yeah, John, we really enjoy your words. But if John does not preach a message of repentance, of personal responsibility, and I want to be clear about this repentance. We're going to talk more about it as we keep on going. But I want you to see this. It's to change one's mind and act on that change. It has nothing about feeling sorry. It goes farther than that. There are times that all of us have got caught and then we repented. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry now because Lord, I got caught. That's not what we're talking about here. John is going to call this individuals in a message to say, he, you need to repent of your sins. How many of you like to admit that you're wrong? How many of you like to admit that you want to ask even, how many would you admit you'd even be willing to ask for help? Let alone go to a desert and have somebody stand up and say, you know what, you need to repent of your sins. And I'm not just talking about feeling sorry. I want you to make a public declaration that you not only are you going to repent of your sins, you're going to come forward and repent of your sins and you're going to get baptized. Everybody's going to know that you repented. Everybody's going to see your personal choice. And so the midst of that group, it's not just going to be this feeling concept in the desert. The Jordan River is there. And John will preach a message, and that message will say to all those people, hey, it's important for you to repent. It's important for you to acknowledge that you are a sinner. And so as you get this this message and you see this, and and it's one thing that's really interesting. If you go to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, drop down to 3, 8, you read these words. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That's where you're going to get the concept of lifestyle change. Show me the fruit. Don't just give me the words. Show me that your heart is different and demonstrate that not just in your words. Demonstrate that to me in your actions. So the message that you will hear from John in Matthew chapter 3 is very clear. The message is John is going to call these people to repentance. The lifestyle, I want you to see this. And I was texting Arden Gilmore this morning, and so we text each other as we're praying back and forth, and he, he told me one time he did John as the first person, John the Baptist message as the first person, and so they ran church, they did the worship all up front, and then at the, as the mess came time for the message, he was in the back dressed in camel's hair and a leather belt, and he walked down the aisle, and then he preached the message. Um, I don't have any camel's hair, and I'm not really going to thought that would be very good for me, so I decided not to do that. But uh, also he told me at 6 o'clock this morning, so I didn't have time to work all this out. But it's in very important about this lifestyle. This is huge. Don't read over this like you just say, oh, well, it's not a big deal. Because when this is huge because there's going to be a huge confrontation. And John is going to record something so that you don't miss the confrontation. He's dressed in camel's hair 
and he, and he has a leather belt. Look down in verse 4. It says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. As you see that, the leather belt, I'll just give you some verses. 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8 is um, Zechariah 13, verse 4. Um, it, this, John is dressed like Elijah. That's what, they, that's what these people will be aware of. Locusts and wild honey. He lived in the wilderness, probably among one of the Jewish communities um, because he was a Jew. And, but what was interesting about John the Baptist, most we think the reason that he moved outside of and, and lived in the wilderness is because he wanted to get rid of the hypocrisy and the corruption of the temple and the temple system. God, I don't want to be involved in that stuff anymore. It's fake. It's corrupt. And so he moves out into the wilderness. And he's going to eat locusts and and honey. And that's going to be who John is. That's his lifestyle. But what's interesting in the lifestyle, and and, and as a reminder of me to me this week, it doesn't matter what you do. If God is working, God is going to move and people's lives are going to be changed. It doesn't matter about the program. It doesn't matter about the building. It doesn't matter about the staff members. If God has a plan and God is moving, he will move. And how do you see that? Look what happens. Verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. God's working. Because there's this crazy guy or outcast guy or this guy out on camel's hair preaching a message with a leather belt and he eats locusts and wild honey and his message is not a whole lot of fun. But people from all around are moving out to that area and say, John, we want to confess our sins. We want to come before you. We are done playing games. We want to be baptized. And as if you spend some time, this is not a believer's, this isn't like a baptism like you and I would think of as a believer's baptism. That comes later in Matthew. This is a baptism that is very specific of repentance for their sins. I want to be baptized. I want to demonstrate this to you. And so as John is doing this, it's a baptism of repentance. It's a baptism that's leading towards the coming of the Messiah. What's the purpose? To prepare the nation for Christ. To present Christ to the nation. John chapter 1 verse 31. A baptism of personal responsibility. And you know what's interesting? Most of the time, the Jews were not the ones getting baptized. The Gentiles were getting baptized. The Gentiles, when, when we're reading, as you read now, these Gentiles are getting baptized to say, yeah, we believe. John is baptizing the Jews for their hypocrisy. John is baptizing the Jews and calling them to personal responsibility. Now, here's, here's where it's going to get exciting. Here's where you're going to have to think outside of the box. Here's where you get a chance as you read uh, these first verses about John the Baptist, about this guy with camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey, and he's baptizing people for the repentance of their sins, God is going to do something. Because you have this group of people in, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 7. You have the, set, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the church people. And if you would have thought that God was going to... to to say, okay, here's my Messiah, introduce my Messiah, you think he would have chosen the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he didn't. 
And so this morning as you read those words, I just want to give you, obviously I can't give you all the definitions, but I want you to just give you a thought process for the Pharisees. These are the ones that would say, you know what, we need to separate ourselves from these people. They were a highly zealous and ritual and religious purity. That's what they live for. According to the Mosaic Law, as well as their own traditions and the things that they had it, that they would add on to. We are spiritual because of what we do. That's the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were known for the denial of supernatural things. They rejected human traditions and scorned legalism. They were wealthy. They controlled the temple. They were not friends of the Pharisees. They wanted to be noticed and admired in the marketplace for the, for, for the outside of who they were. After being in the marketplace, they would purify themselves. Of, of, they would go through this purification ceremony. So just in case they touched somebody that might have contaminated them while they were in the market, that would make them unclean. They would go through this purification ritual. And now you have this group of individuals, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, where are they coming? To the desert. Why are they coming to the desert? Because John is preaching a message of baptism for the repentance of sins. John is going to preach something that goes directly against who they are and what they are. And it's so fascinating that these two people do not, these two groups of people do not like each other, but they're going to show up where? In the wilderness. All their little pomp and circumstance. They're going to be dressed nice. They're going to look good. They're going to walk up there and say, wow. And who's they going to go talk to? The guy that's wearing camel's clothes. Really? He's eating locusts and wild honey. And they want to have a conversation with this guy. And they have a conversation. And this confrontation is not going to be something that's going to be nice and good and easy. Look at John's words. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he had baptized, he said to them, you brought a vipers. Whoa. Brought a vipers. Most of us don't really... I don't like snakes, period, but I haven't really thought about a viper before. But a, but a viper is one that's going to play dead. It's a type of snake that's going to play dead until you get close to it, and then it's going to bite you, and you're going to die because it's a poisonous snake. Why does he say those words? Because their lifestyle does not match what John is going to ask them to do. I can imagine these two, these groups of people saying, you know what, we probably need to go in the wilderness. We kind of recognize this is kind of a symbol of Elijah, so we probably need to get involved in this so we look right. But these individuals were not interested one bit, from what I can understand, of repentance for their sins. They were too good. They didn't ask for help. They set the rules. They controlled the temple. And everything that they did was external. It wasn't about what was going on on the inside. 
And so as they walk up to this man dressed in camel's hair with a leather belt, he calls them out. He says, wait a minute. This isn't about the outside, guys. This is about personal responsibility for your sin. Because I'm going to introduce, and you'll see this in a second, God is going to have a plan to introduce the Messiah through John the Baptist. And so instead of them just saying, you know what, it doesn't really matter, it's not a big deal, it does matter. And unless we are very careful, we can fall into the same lies and the same tradition and the same thing, seeing God, our sin really doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Nobody will ever find out. Because as you read down through this, you see, you brought a vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. We, have a- we are Jew. We have Abraham as our Don't think you can say, hey, I've got the Abraham card. You've got eternal life. That is not true. And so he says to them, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce fruit, good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. He's saying to these individuals that had it all right on the outside, show me the fruit. Because they knew what would take place. Farmers were there. This was a farming opportunity. A big, huge word picture here. Show me the root and I will show you the fruit. And if a farmer would go through the field at the end of the year and there was, there was trees or a vineyard, a vine that was not producing, what did he do? He cut it down and he burned it at the end. So he's saying to these individuals that look right what's in here. Just pause. Ask yourself a question. What fruit are you producing? That's huge. Because you live right now in a society in the United States of America that you can call whatever you want to right. And probably you haven't read a book in the last six months or sat down and watched anything that challenged your heart and challenged the fruit that's produced in your life. You've watched mostly, you've read mostly, hey, whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you happy, oh, you deserve this. Check your fruit. Because there's going to come a time of judgment. As Ryan has prayed, there's going to come a time that you're going to look your maker face to face. And if you play games here, and this isn't just about having money or not having money. This is about where you're going to spend eternity. Either if your fruit is not a fruit that is something that that comes from the Holy Spirit, you do not belong to Jesus.
Love is patient. Love is kind. Is that who we are? Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is right. Are those things that are just just words that we know? Or we say, you know what, I'm not going to be involved in that. I'm not going to watch that. That's not right. That's not true. What is in front of these um, Sadducees and Pharisees is tradition. They are stuck in tradition. And tradition does not justify lifestyle. It doesn't. And John, as most of us, if we have done anything with, with Matthew chapter 3, we know this part of it. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. You don't need to come to me, Jesus replied. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. At the moment, at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice came from heaven and said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I wonder what the Sadducees and the Pharisees thought when they heard those. Did they stick around long enough? As, as we enter into this new um, ministry, that Jesus is going to walk this earth. As Matthew records for us, he gives us the genealogy. He gives us the virgin birth. He gives us this whole concept of Mary and Joseph. He gives us where we're going to go to Egypt. He gives us uh, accounts of where he's going to come back from Nazareth. And now about 30 years later, Matthew writes. He picks up the story again, and he's going to write about John the Baptist. He's going to write at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, Jesus chooses John the Baptist. God had a plan to use John the Baptist to introduce Jesus to his public ministry. So this morning as you've gathered here as a family, and I'll put these four things you know, on the screen. You've got a message. You've got a lifestyle. And then you've got uh, a confrontation and you've got Jesus. You've got all those four things. Let me ask you a question. What's your message? You know what's sad is? I think the church gets more excited about social issues than they do the gospel. Well, if we just make so-and-so happy, then we, then we can tell them about Jesus. I was riding to the gym the other morning and Listening to Johnny Erickson, saw, uh, they were, Erickson, they were talking about her being in a wheelchair and talking about being married for 30 years. And she talked about how she went, she would go to different places to, to be healed. So she went to this one place and they put all the wheelchair people over here and all the healings took place over here. And all the wheelchair people went back to the elevators thinking, God, what's wrong here? And then she said these words. Jesus did not die on the cross 
to heal my physical needs. He died on the cross so I would have salvation in my soul. And how many churches, how many people are worried about somebody getting healed physically and not worried about the gospel? And not challenging people to walk at the, and look at it face to face. We all need to, I say, you know what? We are sinners. Is there anyone in here that's, that obeyed their parents all the time? Is there anyone in this room that liked obeying their parents? Most of us didn't. But how many of us have said, you know what? I am a sinner. I need to call myself a sinner and say, I need a Savior. I think about the lifestyle. And I think, I ask myself this question. If people would evaluate my lifestyle, would they see Jesus? Oh, we can get excited about the camel's hair and the locusts and wild honey and all that stuff. Those people are going in the wilderness to hear that guy speak. There's something different about that guy. What's wrong with John the Baptist? Why are people going to listen to him? And I think about the confrontation that is in front of us. What tradition are you holding on to that you think will make you righteous? We've all got them. Well, God, I love you because this is what I do. Well, God, this is what spirituality is. It's fun sometimes to listen to people's preferences and how their preferences they think can trump the gospel. It's your preference. It's your opinion. It's like it might, I don't know if my dad told me this or if I heard Uncle Donald say this. I can't remember who said it, but it's like, it's like your armpit. Everybody has them and they stink. What are you holding on to? That says, you know what, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really good with you. Because it's not about anything you do. It's about saying, Jesus, I surrender. And then if you, if you end this, and I think about this whole concept of Jesus, the Messiah. If you say he's your Messiah, what fruit is the Holy Spirit producing in your life that you can't explain? Think about it. What is something the Holy Spirit is doing in your life to change you till you see one of the fruits of the Spirit? I'll never forget when Susan said to me this, I don't know, I don't remember when it was, but I'll never forget these words. She said, you know what? You're better to live with now than you were the first 10 years of our marriage. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's changing me. I can't take any credit for it. It's because on that hill, there was a cross, and I've said yes to it. Not just when I was 10 as a whirly bird, being scared to death that I was going to go to hell, because that's what Paul Patton was telling me. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. Hey, I'm not going to hell. I'll do whatever you say. I'll go down front. I'll pray whatever you want me to pray, because I don't want to be there. But now I recognize that I say yes to the cross just as much today as I did when I was a whirly bird.
I want you to pray with me. Father, we've gathered together as a family, and you've blessed us this morning with what you're doing. You bless us in song. And Father, you've blessed me this week just with your word. And so I pray, Lord, that our message would be clear. Our message would be that it would be salvation through grace, by faith alone, nothing else, nothing added. It's only Jesus. And that that would be demonstrated not just in our words, but that our lifestyle would preach that loudly. And that people could see you in us. And I pray, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that our family would be a family that would not be about traditions, about preferences, about anything that we do that makes us spiritual. But that we would be a family that call, that would call you Messiah in word and that will be demonstrated in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, thank you for your word this morning. And, Father, may we spend some time thinking about your word, not just listening to it this morning and walking out these doors. Not only will we think about it, but, Father, would you give us the courage to say, Holy Spirit, would you change whatever you need to change in my life? I give you permission to work in my life. I want you to change me from the inside out. May we not be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. May it not be of just what we do on the outside. May we lay our hearts at your feet, Jesus. And may you change us. We love you in your name, I pray. Amen.